You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome to Nine Lives with Dr. Cat on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Catherine Prim. Thanks for joining us. With me today is Dr. Denise Radford. Dr. Radford is a veterinarian who is extremely passionate about animal welfare. And today we want to talk about things you need to know if you're going to get a kitten or if you already have a cat, things that you need to know to make sure your cat is happy and healthy. We'll be right back with Dr. Radford after these messages. Not pumped about cleaning the litter box? Try World's Best Cat Litter Zero Mess, the litter that gives you two times better clumping and more odor control with less litter. That's right. You scoop once and you're done. No chiseling, no scraping, no crumbling, no problem. Looking for fast and easy litter box cleanup? Zero mess. Try it. You're welcome in advance. Save $2 on World's Best Cat Litter. Visit www.saveonworldsbest.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Nine Lives with Dr. Cat on Pet Life Radio. We're here with Dr. Denise Radford talking about what you should know if you want to get a kitten. Welcome, Dr. Radford. Can you share something with us about you that is amazing or interesting? Hi, it's really exciting to be here today. Gosh, one of my favorite stories about kittens and cats that I remember from growing up. One time, um, my mom and I were out in our barn. We lived in the country, and we were walking around, and all of a sudden, we heard these little mews that we had no idea where they're coming from, and we traced them back to inside a wall in our barn, and without my father knowing, we deconstructed the wall and saved the kittens and then put the wall back together, and at that point, I was about 11 years old and realized I was a cat lover for life. Me too. I love the opportunity to do this show, and I have several stories of special cats in my life, and I even wrote a book about the special animals in my life, and and certainly the cats appear there. I wanted to talk a little bit today with Dr. Radford about things that people definitely need to know and consider if they want to get a kitten. Dr. Radford, what do you think is the most important thing someone needs to think about if they want to get a kitten? I think it's especially important to consider that a cat and a kitten is a a long lifetime commitment. Kittens are adorable and they're cute as adults too, but that adorable fluffy stage, it wears off and we have to make sure that we're prepared for a lifelong commitment to the kitty. That is really important. I think the oldest cat on record lived to be in its 30s, maybe 36 or so. So if you look at at yourself and think about your life and what you were doing 30 years ago, um, some of us weren't even around 30 years ago. So certainly a lifelong and lifetime investment needs to be considered. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, it's pretty common for me to see, I wouldn't say common, but I have seen cats that have been 22 and 23 years old just in my career so far. So 
it's not just a one-time thing for the cat to make it to 36. It can happen often. And I think that we also have to consider, you know, a lot of different bills can add up. Even if you just consider the cost of cat food over those 23 years, that can add up. And we have to make sure we're being responsible and we can financially afford an additional fur baby and not just emotionally afford them. I think we have to also think about what their life is going to be like. Maybe where we live right now is not where we're going to live in 20 years. Dr. Radford, do you think that cats need a special kind of environment to be happy? Absolutely. Some people even say that cats aren't actually a domesticated species. And so we have these kind of more wild creatures. And if we strap them in an apartment with no windows and no toys and no exciting places to chase down their food, they can become really bored and uh, frustrated and maybe even destructive. So not every living situation is a perfect place for a pet. And it's especially important to obviously look and see if you're, you know, if you're renting, are you allowed to cats show up in the shelter system all the time because the landlord figured it out. What about where you might look for this perfect kitten? I know that I personally am a huge believer in rescuing animals because saving animal lives is really, it's really what we do and what I do. And I've always wanted to be a veterinarian and I've always loved cats. So where do you think someone who wants a kitten should start? That's a really great question. And I think wherever the kitten came from, it can have a lot to do with how easy or hard your life as a pet parent may end up being. A lot of people end up rescuing cats from the outside. I was reading from the Humane Society recently that upwards of 65% of cats are actually taken from their backyards. People bring them into their house and make them pets. But I think if you're actively looking for a cat, my very favorite place to start looking is a local shelter. Or if you're looking for a purebred cat, a breed-specific cat rescue. Millions of cats end up in the shelter systems in the United States every year. And without people that are willing to give them a second chance at life, they don't have a really happy ending. And we need, as humans, we need to step up for them and give them what they desire and what they need, which is a really loving home. So how do you check out a rescue group? I mean, how do you decide if the group that you're working with or the shelter that you are working with is a good place for your kitten to come from? I think that it has a lot to do with, you know, first impressions are everything. If you walk into a shelter and you, you know, it it has a a smell of, of cat urine and there's fur balls flying like a haystacks in the wind and potentially the animals in the cages look like they haven't come out and had a lot of socialization or they are there's clearly way too many pets there for what the shelter staff and the shelter facility can handle those pets absolutely still need homes but you may be getting yourself into some trouble as far as the types of experiences that your kitten has already had I think some of the stuff you absolutely want to look for are good online reviews of the shelter that if people had a good experience already, they may tell you about it. When you go inside to the shelter, the people there should be able to tell you some interesting facts and behavioral quirks about each of the pets that are there inside the shelter. And they're really going to want to investigate you and make sure you are completely ready to adopt a kitten because they don't want to give the kitten to just anyone. We need to take a little break, but we'll be right back with Dr. Radford after these messages. 
Molly, here's your dinner. <laughs> Zeus, that's not your food. Don't let that happen to your precious cat. Elevate your cat's eating experience with the Cat Tree Tray. The Cat Tree Tray keeps your cat's food off the floor and conveniently located on the cat tree. It's the perfect way to eat. It's a beautiful wrought iron tray that easily attaches to your cat tree and keeps dogs and other critters out of your cat's dish. A must for multi-pet households. There's a 6-inch tray for large bowls and a 4-inch tray for smaller bowls. Purchase your Cat Tree Tray today. Go right now to CatTreeTray.com. That's CatTreeTray.com. C-A-T-T-R-E-E-T-R-A-Y.com. Konica, the German shepherd that I rescued, was stinky, skinny, and scrawny, full of skin rashes and scratching. And I started feeding Konica Dynavite, and he became such a happier, itch-free, stink-free dog that I dug deeper into the website. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. What if in addition to Dynavite, we do the raw beef and the egg diet and see what happens? Forget all these 50-pound bags, the formulated, extruded, processed cereal bits that cost a ton of money anyways. This dog's as close to a wolf as you can get. They're carnivores. With just the raw meat and the eggs and the Dynavite and Super Omega on top of it, it just balances out his body and his mind and his spirit. It's, it's unbelievable. <laughs> Hey, if you're thinking about rescuing a dog, you got to start them out on Dynavite, D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. 859-428-1000. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Let's Talk Pets. Let's Talk Pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio dot com. <laughs> Welcome back. Dr. Denise Radford is here with us, and we are talking cats. Dr. Radford, what else should we cover today when we're talking about kittens? We just were talking a little bit about good places to get a kitten and places to look, and we talked about how the shelter systems in the United States are a really great place to start. There's a lot of other places where you may find a kitten, and they're not necessarily the most recommended places to acquire one. There's stores that may have kittens in pretty windows sitting up for adoption with big price tags. And there may be kittens in a basket at a flea market or a sign on the side of the road that says kittens $5 or kittens $25. Those places can make it hard on you as a new kitten owner. And it also, it worries me the motive for having those kittens for sale. Things such as kitten mills, parallel to puppy mills, they do exist. And people are out there breeding kittens for profit and trying to minimize the amount of money they spend on taking care of the parents in those kitten mills or those breeding operations in order to make the biggest profit. And I would hate for you to, as an animal lover, that's not something most of us want to support. So try not to fall for a cheap kitten sign. Well, I think it is important also to know that reputable rescues will do some basic veterinary care for their adoption candidates. And I actually have a a story about a kitten that I rescued. I've always loved Siamese kittens. And I rescued a kitten. And the kitten was actually too young to have received his vaccines yet when when I got him. And I brought him to work with me and carried him around in my pocket. And he hung out in my office while I was seeing patients. And 
we were just crazy about this kitten. And he, he kind of looked like a Siamese cat. I've always really loved the cats with the chocolate pointed ears. And I think it's super fascinating, the science behind why their ears are chocolate. So I got this kitten with the biggest chocolate ears. And my husband called him Emerson because he said, Emerson, big ears on that kitten. And I brought him to work with me. And sadly, one of the days that I had him here, a client came rushing in with a kitten that she had found on the side of the road, just really in a bad state. And of course, I rushed to the aid of the kitten and I never really gave a thought to the fact that Emerson was in my office and had not been vaccinated yet because he was just too little. And to make a long story short and to skim over the heartbreak, my kitten ended up getting panleukopenia from this little sick stray kitten that my client brought in. And Emerson did not survive despite some very heroic efforts medically. He did not survive. So I thought that panleukopenia was a thing of the past. I had not diagnosed it before that day for about 15 years. But because people have decided that they want to stop vaccinating or that veterinarians are over-vaccinating cats, disease has sort of resurged. And unfortunately, the stray kitten and Emerson paid for that with their lives. Dr. Radford, have you had any experience along those lines? Absolutely. I have seen in a couple of rescue situations, entire litters with panleukopenia that have come from the streets at previous jobs. And so that disease absolutely is heartbreaking and it's resurfacing and it's detrimental. And I think we all have to remember that a lot of times, even when we adopt from a a reputable place or a really great, excellent breeder, the kittens just purely aren't old enough to have all of their basic early life pediatric health care yet. And so even when you take them home, if the rescue says that they're up to date on vaccines, that may not mean that those vaccines are completed. And you should definitely take them to your veterinarian to have them looked over. Yes, see your own veterinarian right away with any new kitten because everyone's veterinarian will be a specialist, an expert on the diseases that are a problem in your area. So don't skip that relationship with your own veterinarian and don't just assume that because the pet is said to be fully vetted or current on vaccines that he's current for a year or more. Make sure you ask your own vet. And even if the newly adopted kitten or pet doesn't need any vaccines at that visit, it's still a really great time to establish a relationship with your veterinarian. If you're established at a vet's office, then they are uh, more likely to be able to see you on a completely emergency basis in the future. And also, it's a happy visit for your kitten. So they get to come and everyone in the office gets to play with them, which is one of our favorite things to do. And the kitten doesn't have anything very stressful happen, and it can set you up for successful visits in the future. So, Dr. Radford, I wanted to reach out to those people that maybe have already adopted a kitten and now it's a cat and talk about some of the things that they can do around their house already now to make the cat's life better, make the cat happier, maybe some enrichment ideas. Do you have any information about that? Yeah, so I think this is one of the most exciting things about cats, and we touched base on it a little bit earlier. Cats, some people would say that they're not even really domesticated. What are your thoughts about that, Dr. Prim? 
Well, they did actually sequence the feline genome or the DNA of a cat, and they they did some pretty exciting things that literally proved that your cat is just not very evolved, so to speak, from his wild ancestors. So dogs are different. They have sort of evolved with human beings, and they are now different from their wild ancestors. The DNA of a domestic dog is very different from the DNA of a wolf or a wild canine. But the DNA map of a domestic cat like my cat or Dr. Radford's cat is not all that different from his wild ancestors. So truly, down to the genes, your cat is a wild animal. And I just think that's the most exciting and sometimes most difficult thing about owning a cat. We don't really own them in that sense. It's kind of more like they agree to live in our apartment with us. And so we have to figure out what's going on in their wild little brains and figure out a way to make them happy living inside. I think a couple really important things are to remember that cats are climbers and they love what we call vertical spaces in veterinary medicine. So a cat can look at this giant room, maybe the size of a basketball court with nothing to move up on and they don't see anything that looks exciting to them. But if you put a dresser in there that they can jump up on or a cat perch or a window perch somewhere where they can safely go in the vertical direction, it actually decreases stress in them and it makes them happy and it's a form of enrichment for them. I think it's really important to think about life through the eyes of a cat. And a cat is a tiny hunter, a little carnivore. So a wild cat has to constantly be on the move, thinking and moving, looking for prey, chasing prey down. So we kind of have to keep our cat's minds and bodies active so that they can have their best life. Absolutely. And so one of the most fun things that we can do for them is try to recreate hunting in our inside environment. There are bowls called slow feed bowls or food toys where we can put their entire meal inside of them or a small portion of their meal and make them work for their food. My mom, she kind of yells at me and says that that's mean to make my cat work for its food. But I know that my cat enjoys the hunting aspect of getting a little bit of exercise right before she gets her meal. And even in cases where there are behavior issues or destructiveness or things that people don't find particularly desirable, these kinds of things that Dr. Radford is talking about, enrichment toys and vertical spaces, they actually head off anxiety and destructive things in our cats and can make them happier and better partners to live in our home with us. One thing that I think is also important goes along those lines are scratching posts and appropriate outlets for cats to use their claws. Cats actually have serotonin release from their brain uh, when they scratch and when they stretch their arms up above their head in the motion to scratch. So if we don't give them a scratching post, they'll find somewhere else to scratch And that is never desirable for an owner. It literally relieves stress in them to be able to to do that scratching position. And if we can put it in a room where they enjoy being, we have even better results. I know my cat, the first thing he does when he wakes up is scratch. And I have an appropriate scratching object for him where it's okay for him to scratch. So yes, if you can accept that as a natural cat behavior and something that helps them have a sense of well-being and then provide an appropriate place for that to happen, everyone is happier and, and has a better chance at their happily forever after. 
And if you get a new couch, you're best off putting a scratching post right next to it right at the beginning because the cat typically prefers the scratching post over your couch or other object. It's really cool. I love to throw in the science. Cats actually have um, glands in between their toes where when they scratch something, it sort of labels it or marks it as safe or desirable. And I know my cat absolutely scratches the same place, the same item every day. And, and he seems kind of out of sorts if I prevent him from doing that, if I want to stop and pet him or whatever. He wants to do that first. So that is a very important thing. Cats are also kind of funny and territorial about their litter boxes. So they're very particular about where they think is safe to potty. And sometimes it goes along that same route. When a cat is covering up their business by scratching, they're releasing some of the scent into that area. And so they mark it as their territory. And if a cat is not using the litter box, obviously you should first take it to the veterinarian, but it may be something as simple as they don't like where you've placed the litter box. They don't feel safe there. Maybe they don't think that litter box is in their territory, and so we need to work on that for them. Or maybe they feel threatened by another cat in the house because the litter box is in the other cat's territory. And all cat people know about litter box things, but one of the litter box rules of thumb, I guess, is that you should have a litter box for each cat in your home plus an extra so that if there is ever a territory confrontation, there are always appropriate options for urination and defecation. You can avoid a lot of problems by following that rule. Absolutely. And having separate spaces for each of the cats in your house. So if you are having any behavioral issues, letting them be separate and giving them places to hide. Something as simple as the box you just shipped in from Amazon or or wherever can be the most exciting toy for your cat and they can hide in it and feel very safe. And it's free. So you can definitely find ways to enrich your cat's lifestyle without really spending any money. I know that cats love to hide in boxes. They love to chase things. I had a cat that actually would chase and retrieve little balled up pieces of paper and bring them back to me for me to throw again. And that cost me nothing. And, and we laughed and laughed at that cat. I mean, it was just, it was just wonderful. So if you like hearing about uh, my cat stories, I compiled a lot of animal stories during my years as a small animal veterinarian, and I actually wrote a book about those stories, and it is called Tennessee Tales, Pets and Their People, and it is available on Amazon and BarnesandNoble.com. Dr. Radford also has some causes that are close to her heart. Dr. Radford? So I've always been very passionate about animal welfare But I guess it came to fruition when I was about 16 years old. I just got my driver's license. I was so excited to go over to the local pet store and get a job. And I went there for my interview. Everything seemed to go well. I asked questions back to them at the end like I was supposed to. And then I didn't get the job afterwards. And I was honestly confused. I was a straight-A student. I got my license, and I wanted to be a vet. And I later found out or realized that I had asked a very intriguing question to them, and it was, do these puppies come from puppy mills? And all of that led me into a ton of research about what a puppy mill is and what animal welfare is truly about and kind of how our country in some aspects is a little bit confused about the source of where animals in pet stores and from flea markets may come from. And it ended up 
in me recently starting a not-for-profit organization called Erie Puppy Mill Awareness. Uh, It's based in Erie, Pennsylvania. And if you're interested in finding out what you can do to help fight animal cruelty, animal neglect, puppy mills, and even kitten mills, you can go on to our website at www.eriepuppymillawareness.org and get a ton more information. So it looks like we're about out of time today. I definitely want to thank Dr. Radford and our producer, Mark Winter, for making this show possible. And I want everyone out there to go out and have a perfect day. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.